and welcome back to another episode of the Today in Town Packers podcast. I'm joined by my co-host, Bron, after a very decisive victory against the Houston Texans last Sunday. Bron, how you doing, man? What are your What are your instant thoughts after that game? Hey, Mason, I'm doing good. You know, it was, it was a good game. Uh, nice to see us get back on track. And, you know, now we kind of prove that we are an elite team in this league. And, and we did what we had to do against a bad team. And, you know, I'm excited to talk about it with you. And we're also going to talk about this game coming up against the Vikings. Yeah, man, we do have a lot to talk about. And kind of breaking news earlier today while we're recording, it's, uh, you know, Wednesday afternoon. Packers actually, it came out on Twitter that they're actually expressing a lot of interest in Will Fuller, you know, the, the speedy wide receiver from the Texans who we just played. Um, obviously, as you guys saw, that whole that that whole game, it was just Devontae Adams. Literally, MVS has disappeared from the offense. Robert Tanyan's being quiet. You know, we haven't had Alan Lazard. EQ is not a thing anymore. Malik, Malik Taylor hasn't done anything. Like, this is the, we need a wide receiver, and it's just cool that we're actually showing interest in one. And Will Fuller, I feel like, would be a perfect fit. Super fast. I mean, he was a first round draft pick in 2016, ran a 4.32, super fast. And he's, you know, he's six foot tall. That's pretty. It's a pretty good 40 time for a receiver over six foot. And I just feel like he'd fit this offense perfectly because we're we're missing a key piece. And if we want to, you know, if we want to compete this year for, you know, for a title, I mean, yeah, Goot's got to do this. He This is perfect. Uh, yeah, I think this is the move to make for sure. We, I, I really do think we have to add somebody uh, to give us that, you know, that security of if an injury happens, in the playoffs or, or leading to the playoffs after the deadline, we're not stuck in a bind with Malik Taylor having to be, or, or whoever having to be like a, a key contributor for us. So, you know, if we have a guy next to Devonte Adams and next to Alan Lazard, if we, we just need that other guy, you know, cause that'll give uh, us some legitimate, uh, another legitimate target for Aaron Rodgers to throw to. And, and like I said, it gives us some security uh, that we haven't had recently. And I mean, Will Fuller has been behind DeAndre Hopkins his whole career in Houston, besides this year, obviously, but he's still not even like the number one receiver there. It's just a bunch of, you know, guys that have been number twos their whole life. You got Cobb, Brandon Cooks, Will Fuller. So, I mean, this, going in that Green Bay offense, you know, he doesn't have to worry about drawing number one corners to him. We got Devontae Adams to do, to do that for us. And I mean, he he finally got a good quarterback later in his career with Deshaun Watson, but I mean, I feel like with Aaron Rodgers and you know Matt Lafleur's creative offense, I feel like Will Fuller can finally be unleashed. I mean, that this guy has had great games before. He's he's broken 200 yards in a game before. He just has never really you know been able to like put together thousand yard seasons just because you know bad quarterback play before Watson and obviously being behind Hopkins. I feel like this is a fresh start for him if if he really. You know, if the Packers really do want to get a wide receiver, I think this is perfect. He's he's on his last year of his deal. The Texans picked up his fifth year option after the 2019 season. And you know what? If it if it doesn't work out, I mean, you know, we just give up what we you know, what we traded for him. And I, I'm, I just don't I think this is the time to strike the last two years. We've always been, you know, whole all these Packer fans wanted the Packers to trade for a wide receiver and it just really never happened. Last year we signed Ryan Grant and he, I don't think he suited up once for us. I mean, this is, yeah, this is it. I mean, I think this is our guy, Will Fuller. He's, you know, fast, can catch. He's proven himself in the NFL and I think it'd be a great number two slash number three next to Devante. And once Lazar comes back. Yeah, for sure. And the one thing about him is, and this whole trade scenario is the fact that you know the Houston Texans tried to um, bring Brian Gutekunst in to be their GM um, in that summer of 2018, and uh, he ended up obviously taking the job with the Packers uh, to be their GM. And and you know there is a relationship there. They you know they were with us uh, uh, last summer uh, at uh, in like a, do- a joint training camp practice situation that we had. You know so there's relationships with the front office. Um, Bill O'Brien's obviously not there anymore, and, and that was definitely a key part of the relationship. But I still think that, you know, the higher ups in that organization, um, we have a relationship with them. Uh, so I do think that there is a possibility that we could get something done here. Uh, not to mention, you know, we did just play them, uh, and I'm sure there could have been some kind of conversations between those guys in the last week. 
So yeah, I, you know, Matt LaFleur talked really highly of, of Will Fuller. He called him a legitimate number one wide receiver in this league. Uh, he, he saw him a little bit when he was at Notre Dame as the quarterback's coach. Um, yeah. So, you know, all that, uh, all that put together really kind of makes this a match made in heaven. Uh, and it really just comes down to the compensation. Uh, you know, a second round pick would probably do it and I'd prefer a third and maybe a late pick at worst, but uh, you know, if if this is something where Brian Gutekinds really wants to make a move, you know, we heard about possibly trading for Zach Ertz, making an offer there before he was put on IR. That's a different move that I probably wouldn't have made. Uh, but to get another perimeter guy that can be a deep threat for Aaron and, and take away some of that uh, double coverage from Devontae. And this guy really is. He can be a true number one receiver in this league. So uh, all that put together, I really do think it's it's kind of like a perfect match in Green Bay. And I hope it happens. Yeah, I saw that article about Zach Ertz, the the possible offer the Green Bay Packers made, and I think the price tag would be too high to, to you know to both trade for him and to pay him. I mean, he's he's getting paid as you know a top three tight end, and obviously his you know his skill level is there. Zach Ertz is a fantastic tight end in the NFL, but still, that'd be a lot of money and a lot of draft capital, which Ryan Gutenkutz you know loves to hoard, and that's that's why I'm I'm going back to this Will Fuller thing. I mean. Like you said, given given a three and a six, you know, to get a guy for you know the the rest of the season, and if it works out, maybe we extend him, and maybe Devonte Adams has his has his uh you know his partner in crime for the next couple of years here, and there there's other guys around the NFL that are on bad teams that you could look at possibly trading, but I feel like the price tags would be too high, like um Michael Gallup from Dallas, absolutely he's he's insanely talented, but you know Dallas just lost Dak, and they're kind of you know. <laughs> they're losing a lot of games now with Andy Dalton. I don't I don't know if they would actually trade him. And then you you can go look at like Jacksonville or you know or Cincinnati, maybe like DJ Chark or AJ Green, John Ross. I mean, I feel like those I feel like Green and Chark would have high price tags like second round at least. That's why I think Fuller is our guy. I think he would fit our offense pretty well. He could play that slot role. He's, you know, super quick and he's got good hands and he's proven that, you know, he can have big games and I I would be more than excited if Goot made the call to Houston and, you know, brought him to Green Bay. I think this is the wide receiver if we were to get one. Yeah, and the one thing I would say if, if in terms of the trade deadline is if we are going to acquire a wide receiver, it's going to be somebody that is either, you know, on the last year of their deal, uh, they're not getting paid a high number, they're on a struggling team, and, uh, you know, the one other thing would be that um, – that their cap love, their cap number would be low and they'd need a change of scenery and all that combined. It has to be, you know, there's, there's guys out there. Um, but you know, you just got to find that one guy that really moves the needle for us uh, without having to give up too much for them. Uh, you know, so this, there's a, about a dozen guys out there that makes sense for green Bay, but uh, it's going to come down to, you know, like I said, uh, you know, all that information, it has to kind of sync up and, and we have to know that it's going to end up working in our favor and, and not just to give up a pick, you know, just to get a guy that maybe uh, isn't going to move the needle for us. And another thing, I mean, a lot of people forget is, you know, if we don't make a move, it's probably because, you know, next year we're going to have Devin Funches back. He obviously opted out in his contract, you know, it was only a one-year deal, but it did, I'm pretty sure any, any player that opted out due to COVID I think their contracts just, you know, don't exist this year and just move to next year. So we'll have we'll have Funches back next year. And that might be a reason that Goot doesn't pull a trigger on a wide receiver, but but still, you know, we're in win mode right now. Um a lot of, you know, a lot of like the the Smith brothers contracts are kind of like if we want to get rid of Preston next year, we can. It's it's just how his contract's built. Like I feel like this is the year to make a move and I, I don't think Goot should worry about, you know, Devin Funches coming back next year to not make a move. I feel like, you know, Will Fuller for this year and then, you know, re-sign him if, re-sign him if he, you know, fits the offense well. And, and then, then we get Funches back next year. Yeah, there's a lot of reason to think about, like, what the scenario is if we do bring a guy in or whatever. But uh, I, I really think that the, the cap perspective, uh, you know, everybody talks about how it's going to be a tricky situation next year with – uh, with the virus and, and potential cap cuts. Uh, but there's, you know, we've seen teams like the Kansas City Chiefs and the New Orleans Saints and others kind of just uh, disregard the cap in a lot of ways and and still find a way that, you know, there's always ways around the cap, basically, is what I'm trying to say. 
And uh, I do think that, you know, we have substantial space right now to, to bring a guy like Will Fuller in. Uh, and at the same time, next year, we've got a lot of guys coming off the books, but I think we'll be able to make moves happen. And, you know, my, my basic thing about this is, you know, if we if, if cap space is cut, uh, to me, that just means the price of players is going to go down because, uh, you know, every team is going to suffer through this uh, this cap cut situation next year. It's not just the Packers. Uh, so players are just maybe not going to be able to get the same money that they would have gotten in recent years. Prices for p- positions like running backs and receivers might go down. Uh, that That's what I think is going to happen. Maybe it won't have as much of an effect as everybody thinks. Uh, so I would say pull the trigger on a guy, especially if you think he's going to be able to change it for us and, and really help us uh, push it over the hump and, and give us a chance to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, especially uh, let's let's kind of transition to the Texans game. And, you know, the reason we're talking about training for a wide receiver is just kind of what we saw last week against the Texans. Um, the Packers offense didn't have Aaron Jones. So, you know, they're they're stuck with Jamal Williams and Adrian Dillon, which isn't bad whatsoever. But what I really noticed in the game was just a lack of, um, you know, receiving threats that we have besides Devonte Adams. Uh, wide receivers only accounted for six yards, not named Devonte Adams. That was just Malik Taylor on two catches and six yards. Devonte was literally that whole offense last week, you know, passing wise. Thirteen catches, one hundred ninety-six yards, and two touchdowns. Absolutely ridiculous game, and. You know, he's he's almost broken 500 yards already. He's, he's only played in three games, and one of them being like half a game against the Lions. He's he's abs- he's on a tear this year already. Um, but that's that's where the, you know, Will Fuller could come in because obviously MVS, quiet again, zero catches, and um, his only output on offense was one rush for nine yards. That's why it's kind of concerning here. You know, we can't – they're going to eventually – people are going to find a way – to, you know, stop Devontae Adams. As hard as it might be, as you know, as good as Devontae Adams is, you know, the defenses will find a way eventually to at least slow him down and not let him just control the game like they did la- or like he did last week against the Texans. Him and Aaron were just on another level. And um that's why it's worrisome. But, you know, Jamal Williams coming in though this week for Aaron Jones, um, actually carrying the ball nineteen times. More than Aaron Jones has carried the ball all year. Um you know, for 77 yards and a touchdown, he looked pretty good um, in place of Aaron Jones. And, you know, I thought we could possibly see A.J. Dillon pop off a little bit, but he was pretty quiet as well. Only had five carries, 11 yards. And, yeah, Aaron Rodgers got back on his MVP, you know, his MVP race here. He's probably – he's right back in the top three after that last, you know, that stinker last week against the Buccaneers. But, Ron, what are your thoughts about the offense? I thought they looked looked like they are in stride again. Yeah, they definitely were hitting their stride. They were back in rhythm. Uh, and, and the one thing I really took away from this this offensive performance in this game was the fact that, you know, when Devontae's out there and he's healthy uh, and he's the number one read on the large majority of the plays, uh, and if he gets taken away on those plays, uh, the, the Packers offense is just out of rhythm and out of sync because Rodgers has to kind of spend more time with the ball in his hands and has to go through his progressions looking around the field as opposed to, you know, when Devonte is not in there, his read, he's just going to hit it because they're not going to try and take a guy away uh, if he's not Devonte Adams, if that makes sense. So I, I just think that, you know, if we're going to have uh, this kind of goes back to what you were saying about the lack of weapons that you noticed uh, on on Sunday. I kind of noticed the same thing, especially with MVS kind of just really struggling. Uh, you know, he had four targets, no catches. You, uh, including a drop on third down, and and that was part of uh, a three-drive stretch uh, of three and outs. You know, we have to be more consistent at that position, and that includes we, we have to stop dropping the football, uh, we have to get open, and we have to have another weapon next to Devontae Adams in order to give Aaron Rodgers uh, the ability to stay in rhythm with the offense. And to me, that's, that's the most important thing as we move toward a, uh, these teams with good defenses that might try to take Devontae Adams away. That's not the case next week with the Vikings, but yeah, you know, in the future, we, you know, we got the 49ers on the schedule, the Colts eventually, they have a really good defense. We play them later in the season. It's definitely worrisome. That's why it's like what I said, they're going to find ways to, you know, double, triple cover Devontae and try to take him out of the game. And we're going to need weapons. Aaron Jones is obviously going to be back. Alan Lazard will, will be back eventually. He actually practiced today, which was really good to see. 
but yeah, like you said, man, I mean, just just some other weapon because Devontae's not going to go off for 10-plus catches, 150-plus yards every game. It's it's crazy that that's happened twice already. You know, we, we play the Vikings next week, but um, week one when, you know, we played the Vikings first, Devontae had a very similar game, over 10 catches, over 150 yards, and two touchdowns, just like, you know, just like the Texans game. It's not going to happen every week as much as I want it to happen every week because I do think Devontae is a – probably a top three wide receiver in the NFL, in my personal opinion. It's just, you know, it's not going to happen. And that's why when, you know, we saw those wide receivers that were available on the other side of the field for the Texans, you know, we heard that Randall Cobb was available. We heard even Brandon Cooks, Kenny Stills, and, you know, our guy Will Fuller. It was, you know, we got to saw a bunch of those guys, you know, ball out last week. And it's, you know, made me a little jealous. I definitely want one of those guys on our side. Yeah. Uh, you know, with uh, with that, I feel like, this week, especially when you're looking at uh, the Vikings coming up, I think we have another opportunity to see Devontae Adams have a great game. Uh, and we'll get into that in a little bit. But, you know, with Devontae, his best matchups are with a team that doesn't have a true number one corner. That's when he can really just take advantage of just a horrible secondary. Uh, even if he gets double teamed, you know, he splits those a lot of the times too. But against the Texans, he was just – Really, a lot of the time got got single covered. Uh, you know, the safeties on the other side of the field, specifically on that one touchdown that he had, that deep ball that Aaron threw. Um, you know, Rogers made an adjustment. Uh, he he notified Devontae. Devontae cuts straight up, burns him at the uh, at the snap, burns the corner who was press covering him right at the snap. Uh, Devontae had a ton of separation on the ball. Uh, and then, you know, you saw Devontae make an athletic play. Rodgers uh, gives him the ball. Devontae kind of pushes off the receiver after he catches it and, and gets all the separation he needs to go out and score. Uh, the safety, you know, he's on the other side of the field on the weak side. Uh, it's, that's too easy for those two guys. I mean, their connection is is lethal. Uh, and when you make it that easy for them, it's almost – it's just not fair. Um, so, yeah, that was, you know – we like to see that the Vikings have a much better uh, game plan usually against Devonte Adams, but this year they just don't have the talent to kind of execute those game plans, um, specifically at the cornerback position, which they're very unhealthy right now, um, and you know that they're just not talented in the first place. So, uh, yeah, that's for me. Devonte is the guy that we're going to look at this next week, and and we saw what he could do this week against the Texans. I love going on Twitter after the games and just watching you know, clips of, you know, Devontae Adams burning in his corner, you know, things you can't see on TV or you didn't see in, you know, in, in real time. He was absolutely making Aaron, Eric Murray just lost out on the field. Some of his routes last week were just absolutely insane. He was, he was getting open almost, almost every play against him. It was, it was good to see. And, you know, like you said, next week is going to be, honestly, if, if Mike Zimmer doesn't change up that, that game plan, it's going to be the same thing. Well, let's talk about Jamal Williams a little bit. I know you mentioned him earlier. Uh, yeah, I thought he did really good for the, you know, the, you know, he had 19 carries, um, 75 yards, I believe, and he ended up scoring a touchdown near the end of the game, and he was obviously a factor in the passing game as well. Uh, you know, it's good to see that he is able to kind of fill the role of Aaron Jones, uh, specifically his ability to catch the ball out of the backfield and have some tough running. Uh, he had a great catch early in the game where he kind of caught a ball in stride, a shallow crosser, uh, then ran up the field, got his helmet popped off, and just, you know, he celebrated after the hit and the penalty that, that resulted from that. Um, I thought he had a great game, and I was excited to see him play well, especially with a guy like Aaron Jones. You know, he's the heart and soul of our offense. Uh, to lose him in, in practice uh, and then have to, you know, not have him in a game where we're facing one of the league's worst rushing defenses uh, it was good to see Jamal kind of capitalize on that and and really have a good game. It just it's good to see how undervalued and how underrated Jamal Williams is. Obviously, we all you know since the since 2017 when those guys were drafted, we just all fell in love with Aaron Jones. And you know Jamal Williams is you know he slowly fell to the number two running back spot behind Aaron Jones. But like any time we have to use him, you know, as that lead back, he just you know he proves us all that he's you know he's super capable of doing so. And it was like this week was exactly the case. I mean, he came in and, you know, he did his thing on 19 carries, averaging, you know, four, four yards to run. That's that's all you can ask for. And it just shows like we really do like 
you know, we all love Jamal Williams as as a person, but as a player, I I feel like somehow he's just a little bit underappreciated in Green Bay. He's, you know, we're lucky to have a you know a second running back that can come in and you know do these things and you know be be happier than anybody else on the field while doing it. He really does bring a different vibe to what we do here. Uh, his his leadership by example is is his display of attitude on the field. Uh, not only you know when he comes up after a big a big gain and with his helmet off and and goes crazy, uh, but you know he's dancing before the game. He's excited. He's pumped up, uh, and and that's what he that's what he brings to the team. It's it's not just what he does on the field, but it's it's what he brings to us off the field as well that makes him such a key contributor uh, for our offense. Yeah, man, and he was running behind an offensive line that would you know did not have their left tackle David Bakhtiari. He was you know he got hurt. Um, against the Buccaneers with a chest injury, and he wasn't able to go this week. But still, that you know that offensive line was creating holes for him, um, and you know protecting Aaron Rodgers. He had you know they allowed zero sacks again. You know we we struggled against the Buccaneers, but the rest of the season they've been pretty solid. No matter who we put in, you know we we've kind of been rotating guys a lot. We've you know we've seen Lucas Patrick, um, Rick Wagner, Billy Turner. You know not really. Lane Taylor as well before he got hurt all kind of gets cycled but now you know we lost David Bakhtiari and it's not like the, the you know the Texans pass rush is ferocious they got J.J. Watt and that's kind of it but you know we held our own and you know let up zero sacks and Aaron you know was able to do his thing and you know, find Devontae all day and you know it's good to see him finally have a clean game and not get destroyed like he did against Tampa it was and obviously, uh, you know, clean offensive line results in an MVP performance from Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, that was definitely uh, an MVP performance from Aaron. And, and like you said, a lot of it had to do with the, the great performance by the offensive line, despite not having maybe the best uh, the best tackle in football and David Bakhtiari. Uh, with him out, uh, Matt LaFleur went with Bill Turner at left tackle. Rick Wagner at right tackle and and the formula seemed to work pretty well. Uh, you know, Bill Turner held up nicely and obviously Rick Wagner uh, where, you know, when he has played right tackle, he's held up very well. Uh, so, you know, that, that combination of those two guys in there to kind of accommodate the loss of, of Bakhtiari for the week, uh, you know, that put us in a good spot. And the one play that I think about uh, where Rogers was pressured at all, uh, he got, he got hit pretty good. Um, but, he released the ball right as he was getting hit and launched a perfect pass to Devonte Adams that he somehow caught on the sideline. I think it was third down. Uh, just a gorgeous play. It looked very much vintage Rogers, the type of guy that, you know, you just don't want to blitz because he's going to take advantage, you know, Adams single coverage, just, you know, and Devonte made a great contested catch uh, to, to get that third down. And that was a big, big play in the game. One of Rodgers really, you know, when you count it up, one of Rodgers' best throws of the season, and, and you know, that's going to be up there with uh, some of the throws you look back on. But, um, you know, I thought overall great performance by the O-line, and obviously it helped our offense play well, including Aaron Rodgers, who, like you said, he's right at the front of the MVP race once again. Yeah, that throw was ridiculous. I would love to see the catch probability on that one because that corner had pretty much, you know, per- as perfect as you can get in coverage. and. Aaron Rodgers was pressured and still somehow fit that ball into Devontae. Devontae, a great catch as well, but that throw was just ridiculous. Kind of reminded me of the um, the, the game-sealing um, throw against the Seahawks last year in the playoffs to Devontae. Just, you know, Devontae was able to get a little bit of separation, and Aaron, you know, just hit him on a perfect pass and right on the, you know, right towards the sideline. That kind of gave me flashbacks of that. And another one that, you know, talking about Aaron, another play that comes to mind that reminded me of vintage A-Rod was – um, he was getting, you know, he had pressure in his face right away. And, you know, he had two different Texans um, edge rushers kind of have their hands on him. And he he was able to kind of just, you know, move up in the pocket and, you know, escape two tackles. And I'm pretty sure he had Devontae on kind of like a, a, not a slant route, but, you know, he was going, he was going over the middle towards the right side and was able to find Devontae for like 15 yards. And, you know, it's been a while since we've been able to see Aaron, you know, make some magic. He's, he's always been known to, you know, kind of be like a Houdini back there. And we, I mean, we, we just saw that in 2020. It's, it's a good to see. I mean, it's good to see because, you know, we want to see Aaron win his third MVP award. And, you know, the past couple of times he's, he's done it, he's been doing things like that, making ridiculous throws and escaping the pocket. It's, I'm just happy to see him, you know, get back on that level.
yeah, that he he made a lot of nice plays like that in the game, uh, where he was able to either escape the pocket or uh, the play you're talking about. One uh, one of the one of the defenders had a good grasp on his jersey as he stepped up and escaped it somehow, and then like you said, hit Devonte over. Uh, you know, there was a hand in his face. He hit Devonte over the middle uh, on a crosser, uh, and then Devonte was able to run up the field and get 15. Like you said, that was you know that. I I remember watching the game and thinking, man, he looks like, uh, you know, he looks like he was ready today to kind of uh, smash things up a little bit and and get involved, uh, even with the pass rush in his face and be able to move around. And, you know, he's running as good as ever, I feel like. I mean, you know, he doesn't, it doesn't seem like there's any huge drop off with his legs, uh, you know, moving up in the pocket, outside the pocket. So, uh, you know, I feel good about where he's at right now. And I I feel like he's definitely in position to uh, go up and, Keep dominating and, and win that MVP award. All right, let's move it over to the defensive side of the ball. Last week against Tampa, we obviously got pretty pretty trash. We were, you know, we had some injuries. Kevin King, you know, we weren't able to, you know, have our, one of our better cover quarters or, you know, our number two go against those, you know, that dangerous duo that Tampa Bay has and Godwin and Evans. But, you know, this week, kind of the same. We didn't have Kevin again. And, um, we, I mean, we were, we were able to hold our own. I mean, we shut them out in the first half and, you know, that's – Honestly, all you can ask from this defense, if you know, if you want to win games, our offense was able to get going right away, scoring twenty-one in the first and or in the first half. And you know, all our defense has to do is just you know limit the amount of points that you know the other team scores. You know, as obvious as as that sounds, it's just that's kind of how our our team's built. Just we want our offense to get out to a you know a comfy lead, so we're not you know forcing things like we were against Tampa because I feel like that is going to be our demise. So, and our defense, you know, they did the job. We were able to, you know, get that touchdown to Devontae and on um, one of the first drives. I think it was the first drive. And, you know, the defense was able to, you know, keep holding Deshaun Watson out of the end zone. We, you know, fortunate enough to get a missed field goal from like 41 – or, hey, I think it was a 41-yard field goal. That field goal was obviously lucky enough to be missed. And, you know, we shut him out in the first half. But, Ron, what are what are some of your initial thoughts? I honestly thought the defense played pretty solid and, you know, once – once it came to garbage time, I feel like that's when, you know, Watson kind of picked up his stats and, you know, padded his stats. But other than that, I felt like we played pretty solid on the defensive side. Yeah, we did. And, uh, you know, it started with uh, the fact that Josh Jackson had to fill in for Kevin King once again. I thought Josh played pretty well. You know, we saw him make some nice plays in the run game. And, and you know, he's not bad in, in coverage. He's not bad. A lot of people think he's just not good. I disagree. I think he's got a lot of potential and the more I'm watching him play, I'm I'm excited about what he can do because uh, he's made some plays at times. And the only real inconsistency with him is, is um, penalties at times. Uh, so, you know, I thought he did pretty well. Uh, and for me, the pass rush was what I was excited about looking at the game. I, Preston Smith had his best game of the year, came up with a big sack. Uh, it might not have been ruled a sack, but it, it was either a tackle for loss or a sack. Uh, at the end of the game to, uh, on Watson to end it. And he had been getting pressures all night long. Uh, obviously, Zedarius had a good game. He had a sack on, on Deshaun. And uh, the interior looked pretty good as well. We stopped the run at a nice level. Uh, you know, David Johnson wasn't getting anything early. Uh, so, yeah, all, all that combined, I thought, you know, our front stepped up to the plate when we needed them to. Uh, and, and you look at what we did in, in the back end. You know, Randall Cobb got loose a few times. Uh, other than that, Jair was fantastic once again. Amos had a good game. Uh, Will Redmond, not much of a huge drop-off back there because he, he was really deep far back on a lot of plays, uh, just trying to prevent the big play with the huge lead that we had. Uh, so we really didn't have any, you know, egregious stuff coming from him uh, not being around the ball much. But, uh, you know, Raven Green, I thought, looked fantastic once again. Uh so a lot of good uh, Kamal Martin as well. So there was a lot of good guys that uh, that made plays for us to be excited about. And, and of course, we're going to have some guys coming back from injury and things like that, hopefully in the coming weeks as well. I feel like you say, you know, every single podcast, you say Preston Smith has his best game of the week, but I feel – or his best game of the year. And I feel like that's honestly – it's true. And it's really good to see. He's getting better. Obviously, he had a super slow start, but he's, you know, he's improving every single week. And, you know, this week, like you were – like you were saying, on that fourth down towards the end of the game when the Texans were trying to make somewhat of a comeback or, you know, trying to make it a game, he had that huge stop on fourth and one when Watson kind of kept it for himself and, you know, rolled out to the left. And I think it was going to be, an, you know, an option play where he had the chance to pitch it back to Duke Johnson. But, you know, Preston 
just absolutely demolished that play and, you know, got Watson behind the line of scrimmers there and, you know, pretty much ended the game because we were up two big scores. So good to see there. And, you know, like you mentioned, I also wanted to talk about Kamal Martin coming in for the first time this year. He looked absolutely phenomenal. He had, you know, he led our team in in tackles with six and was um, PFF's highest graded uh, Packers defensive player in his first game. And, you know, We've been talking all this year about how that middle linebacker position is scary, especially, you know, losing Christian Kirksey. And even when Kirksey was in, you know, him not really playing well and having to deal with Ty Summers, Oren Burks, and, you know, the undrafted guy, Chris Barnes, he's been playing really good too, but still just so much uncertainties there. And for Kamal Martin to come in and play as well as he did, that just – you know, that, that made me happy as a Packer fan because, you know, that's our, one of our weakest positions on the defense. And I honestly think we maybe we got a steal. You, you know, he's a fifth-round draft pick this year, and maybe, you know, maybe he's the guy for the future, him and him and Barnes. And once Kirksey gets back, I feel like we maybe can take a deep breath and, you know, feel comfortable now with those three once Kirksey comes back. With Kamal Martin, like you said, he played well, and, uh, you know, he was a fifth-round pick. Uh, and the reason that he was that he had gone that late was because really uh, he had an injury that set him off boards a little bit. But uh, we got a talented player there for sure. Uh, you look at him and, and obviously Kirksey looking to come back this week. Hopefully that'd be huge uh, to kind of really get him back in the fold and, and have him under under uh, under center on defense and and just uh, kind of get back in the groove after not really playing for the last two seasons. Uh, him coming back struggled a little bit. It'd be nice to see him get back and, and play well. Uh, and then, like you said, you know, Chris Barnes, he's he's been good for us. Uh, we could use him, obviously, as the third guy in there. And then uh, Ty Summers is, has not been terrible as well. Uh, and then you throw in the possibility of Oren Burks, Raven Green. Raven Green is really the guy that you're seeing now get that time in, uh, as that dime nickel linebacker type, uh, that DB type in the middle. So I think, uh, you know, all that together puts the, the middle of the field in, in a better position than, than it was at the beginning of the year. Uh, and, and overall, I'm not, I'm not worried about that group as much as I was. We did have some injuries, and, I mean, we did see Ty Summers playing a lot this week. And, I mean, I didn't really see anything awful. Just on that one touchdown, um, I, for, I'm forgetting the Texans wide receiver, but it was – it was Ty Summers and Will Redmond on the left side. The Texans were, you know, in the red zone. I think they were towards the 10-yard line. And um, Deshaun Watson was rolling out to his left. And um, he had a little bit of open field. And Will Redmond and Ty Summers were, you know, in the corner of the end zone, kind of kind of responsible of the Texans wide receiver that was, you know, running into that corner. And um, there's kind of a miscommunication. And uh, Will Redmond ended up rushing towards Deshaun Watson to possibly stop him from, you know, running it in and Ty Summers was not ready for it, wasn't expecting it. And, you know, the Texans were easy, were able to get an easy score off of that. But that was like, I mean, that's the only thing, you know, other than that, I mean, I feel like the defense as a whole with, you know, a couple injuries, like I said, they were just able to play as a group and, you know, hold the Texans to very minimal scoring. Just those garbage time points is what made the game look closer than it was. Our defense definitely had a good game on Sunday against the Texans. Uh, and we needed to do that in order to win. Uh, but one thing I was concerned about was definitely the, the play of the special teams, uh, especially in the second half. Uh, obviously, J.K. Scott had that punt blocked, uh, and that was uh, you know that was a, not a game changer, but it kept the Texans hanging around. Uh, and then, of course, they they recovered that onside kick that we we failed to recover. So, uh, you know, one thing I'm looking forward to is the return of Tyler Irvin to possibly shore up our special teams play and and bring it back to the consistency that we've been having. Uh, over the course of the first six weeks of, of football. But, you know, other than that, I, I feel like, you know, we've got to be better there. And, and hopefully with some of the guys coming back, uh, I think we'll be in a good spot going forward. But, Mason, what did you think of the play by the special teams? I mean, we haven't had a problem with them all year. But, you know, the fact that we were ahead in the game and, you know, the Texans were down by like three scores when, you know, the black punt happened and, the you know, they were just, you know, trying to – you know, show some sign of life when they got that onside kick recovery. I mean, is, is it worrisome? I mean, I don't know. It's not like the Packers were like in – it wasn't like um, it was like a do-or-die situation where we needed to recover that onside kick or like if the, if the black punt didn't really, you know, affect us. 
But um, like you said, Tyler Irvin coming back, he plays, you know, all over on special teams. He was our savior last year when it came to the return game. Um, you know, we were awful before he came along and, you know, it'll be nice to have him back. But I, I wouldn't just that all happened in, in the fourth quarter. That was just one quarter of bad special teams play. I wouldn't really worry about it right now unless it happens again. Um, it might have just been a fluke, you know, end of the game, big lead. You know, stuff like that happens when, you know, like the Texans were just trying anything that they could, to, you know, show some sign of life. And, you know, it happens. And I, I don't think it's anything to worry about for the future. Yeah, I think we're on the same page there. Uh, I'm not concerned about it by any means. You know, things happen. Uh, the J.K., you know, Scott had a great punt earlier in the game about it. I think it was 62 yards to get us out of tough field position. Um and you know that was, he was pretty good. He's been good this year for us. Nothing, nothing egregious from him. Um, and uh, you know the the, uh, the onside kick it happens. You know it's not a big deal. Uh, if it, it's a different story if you know it's a the one score game and in, in the fourth quarter they get a chance to tie it up. Uh, but that was really you know we had the game locked up at that point. And uh, so for the most part, I, I feel okay about the special teams. But uh, I don't know, Mason. I mean. Uh, it was, you know, not great to see, but like I said, I'm not, I'm not nervous about it or anything going forward. Obviously, we um, onside kicks are scary every single time, any single time they happen ever since 2014. But it was, it was, yeah. they caught us off guard. You know, they, it was one of those. It, I saw the kicker. You know, he, you know, he kicked in and he was chasing after the ball. Kind of reminded me of that. Uh, Pat McAfee recovered his own onside kick back when he was playing. It kind of reminded me of that. It was just, I mean, it, it happens. It was a you know good play by the Houston Texans special teams. But, you know, like you said, there was no chance the Texans were winning. We weren't. I think it was Chandon Sullivan that, you know, was the guy that could have recovered, but he missed it. I mean, it wasn't like we were lined up to recover it and, you know, they got lucky. It just, you know, it was just a fluke. It happened. It's nothing to worry about. You know, the Packers dominated all game, and it was just – two random plays towards the end it's I definitely don't see anything to worry about yeah for sure and you know what I'm gonna I'm just gonna wrap this game up basically with you know I thought I thought we played really good as a team uh and the score really doesn't show how much of a domination it was I I do think that it was a blowout uh winning by 15 points uh, you know 35 on the board again uh our offense is playing at a really high level Five out of six games, we have played, you know, the best ball that we want to play. Uh, obviously, Tampa, we didn't do that. Uh, but overall, I thought our offense played great and our defense played well enough to keep us in the game and, and keep, keep our lead intact. And, and overall, good performance by the team. And, you know, that's going to lead us to next week. We're, we already have our second matchup of the year already in week eight against the Vikings. We... You know, in week one, we absolutely demolished them. Um, that was kind of like our, you know, when we kind of realized, holy cow, this Packers offense, this, this Packers team in general is is legit, and this Vikings team wasn't really, you know, we, I kind of came into this season thinking, you know, the Vikings were going to be our main contender in the NFC North, and that's obviously not the fact this year. They've only won one game so far. But, um, yeah. Yeah, no. when, when you're talking about that, I mean, I, I always was of the belief that it was going to be the Lions. Because uh, the Vikings, they filled a lot of the holes that they lost major players in this offseason with draft picks, and that you can't you can't rely on guys like that to, to especially towards the later rounds to, to fill holes of guys like Stephon Diggs, uh, Everson Griffin, and a bunch of other guys like that. Uh, obviously, uh, Trey Waynes and Xavier Rhodes at corner, um, and you know guys on the offensive line as well. So, uh, just overall. You know, I thought it was going to be the Lions, and I kind of still think that's true because you know they've played. They they're three and three. They've played well, and the Bears kind of lost badly to the Rams on that Monday night uh, game. In the end, I think probably Detroit ends up as the second place finisher uh, in the division, if you ask me. With the with the Chicago Bears in third, uh, even though they're sitting at five and two right now, they've got a tough schedule ahead and. Still a lot of uncertainty there. Uh, so, yeah, I, I definitely think uh, that's that's the way I thought it was going, and I still kind of think it's going to go that way. Yeah, we really, really never really mentioned it earlier in the podcast, the, you know, the fact that that Bears loss now puts the Packers in first place in the NFC North and, you know, first place in the whole NFC. 
as well. If the season were to end today, the Packers would have the number one seed and, you know, have that bye week. You know, the only team in the NFC that would have a bye week now with now that there's seven teams um, going to the playoffs in each conference. Um, that's that's huge. And, you know, Brian, I kind of do agree with you. I I do think the Bears being five and two at this point of the season is kind of a fluke. It's I mean, their quarterback play has been pretty awful. You know, Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles, they're, they're not going to win you a playoff game, neither of them. Um, Nick Foles is nothing like he was back in, you know, 2017 when he carried that. You know, he had that crazy stretch of, you know, that playoff run with the Eagles. That's that's not the same Nick Foles. Nick Foles has been the same his whole career, just going on really weird, you know, runs where he looks like an elite quarterback and then kind of just falling off the side of the earth. Kind of like he's kind of like a modern day Ryan Fitzpatrick, in my opinion. And then, you know, they got the, you know, they're going to have to deal with Mitch Trubisky and um, try to see, you know, who's better, you know, better off the rest of the season because Nick Foles just laid an absolute egg against the Rams last week. Um, their only touchdown came, I believe it was a, a strip sack. I believe Eddie Jackson scored, so it wasn't even the offense. Um, yeah, I can I can definitely see the Lions making a little run. They've um, won two straight games now, and um, like I said, I don't know if that Bears offense is able to, um, you know, keep up with the Packers because the Packers are going to be rolling here, hopefully. And uh, But to go back on the Vikings, you know, the real – the real subject of this second half of the podcast, the um, the Vikings have not looked good. Like you said, man, they've they lost a lot of talent this offseason and try to replace it with rookies. And they they did hit on one. Justin Jefferson is having a phenomenal year, and you know a guy that all Green Bay Packer fans wanted, you know, one of the Packers to draft, but you know, unfortunately, he had to go to a rival, the Minnesota Vikings, and he's filling in perfectly for Stephon Diggs. But other than that, Kirk Cousins is. You know, top three in the NFL interceptions. I'm I'm not sure if he's still he's if he's still leading the league. I, I know he was before the Vikings had their bye week, but he's been awful this year. And that that secondary is nothing like it was in years past. That Mike Zimmer defense is not as scary as you know it was in prior years when the Vikings were actual playoff contenders. It's it's definitely a weird outlook now. I feel like the Packers now just if we can just win a you know, win a bunch of games in a row here, we're not going to have to worry about finish, finishing second in the NFC North. Oh, that's for sure. I, th- I think, you know, just a couple more division wins and we're looking at a, a pretty easy walk to the crown in the NFC North. Uh, and, you know, but like you said in this Vikings game, it's really not the same team that we've seen in recent years that's given us trouble. Uh, obviously, we beat them in week one handily. Uh and it's a similar team, you know, they haven't gotten better. Obviously the only guy that's really progressed for them in any way uh, is, is Justin Jefferson who has looked really good at times, uh, but they've lost Anthony Barr. You know, they have lost some guys to injuries that we did play in week one. Uh, this, you know, it could be worse this time than it was last time. Now that, uh, you know, Rogers is really getting in a groove here. Um, and uh, you know, the offensive line is, is getting cohesive as well. Defense looks like it's playing better. All that put together, and, and, you know, we could maybe get to the quarterback more this week than we did in week one. Uh, more success running the football as well that we didn't have uh, in week one where it was mostly Rodgers having a great day. Uh, all that combined, uh, you talk about a possibility of coming out and even playing better because uh, that secondary is looking worse than it did in week one with the injuries they've got. Cameron Dantzler, a guy that, that they wanted out there in week one, uh, and Rodgers kind of feasted on. Uh, he's on the COVID list now. Uh, so, you know, they, they're very limited in that room. They've got guys on the, inj- uh, on the injury list for the week. Uh, and then it's making the guys that are really supposed to be the bookends back there, those safeties, uh, Anthony Harrison and Harrison Smith, it's making those guys' jobs tougher for sure because they're not having a great year, either of those, uh, either of those guys. Uh, and it's making it tougher on everybody. Same thing with their pass rush. And they just traded Yannick Ngakwe, who played limited snaps in week one as well. So it's a it's 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 a completely different team because they've lost guys to injury, uh, and it's not completely different for the better for the most part. So, uh, you know, we could see another Rodgers to Devonte game where Devonte gets close to two hundred yards, uh, and and makes it look easy. And I, I do think that's going to be the case, especially with the possibility of Aaron Jones uh, not playing once again. Uh, it's just going to mean more Aaron Rodgers, and uh, that's what I envision coming up this Sunday. Yeah, and sticking on that running back topic, the Vikings didn't have Delvin Cook in their last matchup before the bye, and that was, you know, that was that proved pretty costly because they're who 
I thought Alexander Madison was a very solid backup, but he did not have a good game, you know, playing in that lead role. And, you know, that kind of – that really limits the Vikings' offense because Dalvin Cook is pretty much pretty much it. That's what kind of gets Kirk Cousins going is when Dalvin Cook can, you know, you know, create plays on his own, on, you know, screen passes, you know, zone runs, whatever it is. And when, you know, Kirk Cousins didn't have Dalvin Cook, he had a terrible game. And, um, you know, Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson are, you know, they're a great duo still, but – I mean, I honestly think this season is kind of falling on the fact that Kirk Cousins is just not not playing good, not playing good whatsoever. I, I do think he has some weapons like Irv Smith, Kyle Rudolph, too. That's a great tight end duo right there. And I, I honestly think I, I just I feel like it's Kirk Cousins' fault this year. It's it's not like – I mean, a couple of years ago when they were in the NFC Championship game um, – I mean, they, they were rolling with Case Keenum, and Case Keenum, I mean, that offense looked better, way better than it did with Kirk Cousins this year, and honestly, maybe even last year. It's, I think, maybe Viking fans are finally realizing, I think Kirk Cousins is not worth what they're paying them. Well, yeah, that was pretty evident early on. Uh, but, you know, when they sold uh, when they sold Stephon Diggs away uh, for draft picks, you know, it, it was a good trade, Uh especially at the time when you get back a first and other picks, you know, it's like, okay, you know, he's probably not worth the first round pick on, on, you know, in most years. And they were able to get him from the bills, get that, get that compensation. But that should have told you right away that they are just not in a position to win this year. Uh, And now that's very clear as well. I mean, they, they drafted a lot of guys, they used those picks, but at the same time, that didn't make them a better football team, regardless of how you spin it. Uh, they just they lost their best receiver, and uh, you know that's not a winning formula. Uh, you know, regardless of what you get back. Uh, and that being said, you know Kirk Cousins, his play has suffered because of that, and because he's just not playing as good. Uh, you know, they lost Kevin Stefanski, their offensive coordinator, uh, the play caller, to the Browns' head coaching job, and. You know, things are changing. Obviously, Gary Kubiak has more of an influence in that building uh, with a lot of the stuff he does that uh, is very much revered around the league. He's, uh, he, you know, obviously he did great things with the Broncos as their, as their head coach. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, things are concerning down there for the Vikings, and it's not looking much better as they are 1-5 one uh, or 1-6, Mason. Yeah, they just had a bye week, so they're you know, sitting at one and five with their only victory coming over the Houston Texans. So, right, um, yeah, that that's uh, you know, then that's a team that's only one and well, one and six as well. Uh, putting all that together, the, the the Vikings haven't beaten anybody that has more than one win. Uh, they're sitting at one and five. You know, they're they're not in a good spot here, and and obviously we play them this week, and we're sitting at five and one, and we we saw what we did to them last time. So this is about it for the Vikings. We could see them make more trades at the trade deadline, and uh, yeah, I'm just uh, you know this is this is a good game for the Packers to keep it rolling and and add another win to the column, get Rodgers more involved in the MVP discussion, maybe even push him over Russell Wilson, who threw three picks uh, on Sunday Night Football. You know, so yeah, that's pretty much it for me on that. Like in terms of the offensive side, uh, I, I think this is going to be a, a matchup where Packers really take advantage and, and come out swinging. I agree, man. That defense is in the lower half of um, in the passing yards ranking, lower half in the rushing yards ranking. That defense is not good. And like we saw week one, man, Devontae Adams, Aaron Rodgers both went off. Um, it's hard to predict week to week because, you know, sometimes Aaron Jones goes off. Sometimes it's Aaron do, you know, we had that Robert Tonyan week against the Falcons. We had that Alan Lazard week against the Saints. It, it could be anybody, but if I had to bet on it, I think, I think Devontae breaks hundred yards again. And I think, like you said, this is the perfect time for Aaron to, you know, put himself at, you know, in number one in the MVP race. Cause it's just weird. How, the, watching that game on Sunday night, um, Seahawks Cardinals, Russell really he he blew that for the for the Seahawks. He had two really awful throws that you know resulted in interceptions, and I don't hear anybody really talking about it after after Aaron threw those you know the pick six and that other interception against the Buccaneers. That was just the talk of the town, and now all of a sudden everyone's kind of just brushing that that uh that Seahawks game off like you know it was just a you know it was just a good game and the Seahawks you know were on the opposite side of it. But I felt like that was. A lot of it had to do with those Russell Wilson interceptions and no one's talking about it. It's starting to piss me off because Aaron, 
you know, Aaron, Aaron came back after his, you know, his bad week and threw four touchdowns, zero interceptions. And it's just weird to me that the narratives, Russell Wilson's just like the NFL's golden child now. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. It's, it's tough because every chance the media gets to criticize Aaron, they do it uh, and sometimes even make, make stuff up to do it. And we've seen that over the course of the years, um, you know, talking about how he's a bad teammate and all that and the relationships with Matt LaFleur and Mike McCarthy and, you know, all that. Uh, Russell Wilson, people just don't do that same thing to Rodgers. And people, it's because everybody knows how great he is. Uh, he's better than Russell Wilson this year. It's it's still true to me. Uh, you know, you're not going to, Rodgers is not going to go out and throw three picks in a game. It's just not at this stage of career, of his career. Uh, I remember when Russell Wilson, a little earlier in his career against us, threw six picks in a game, or it was either five or six picks in a playoff game. I'm like, you know, what, like, how can this guy be regarded as as better than Aaron Rodgers? It just, you know, it's not something Rodgers is going to do uh, at any in any game ever, you know. So, I mean, yeah, Rodgers is going to keep playing well. This is a good week for him, like I said, to maybe put up four or five touchdowns, 300 yards, and like if he continues that, he'll be on pace to win the award for sure. And combine that with you know what we're going to be able to do, uh, you know, as we get some of these other guys back in the fold. Uh, you know, when you mentioned Alan Lazard, he could be back in the next couple of weeks with that core muscle surgery. Uh, I reported he was going to be out four to six weeks with that, and. Uh, you know, we're at the four week mark here coming up uh, after after this week. And, you know, we'll see where that goes. Uh, he practiced today. Christian Kirksey will be back like we talked about. Uh, and there's Tyler Irvin coming back, possibly. David Bakhtiari could be back this week. Aaron Jones might sit out another week and, and uh, we, we could see him the, the week after this one. Uh, and Kevin King probably sit out this week as well. And, and he'll be back at some point, too. So, you know, once we get back to full strength, uh, I think we're going to be in a good position to win a lot of games. Uh, and and Aaron Rodgers are going to be in a good position to, to get some MVP votes this year. Yeah, man, this is the week. I mean, not we're not really worried about the Minnesota Vikings, but you know, we just got to come out and we got to keep you know destroying these lower class teams. And then um, after this, we play the San Francisco 49ers on Thursday night. You know, short rest against a opponent we've had a lot of struggles with in the past, and we got to finally. We got to finally be able to show that we can get past the the 49ers. If that that's going to be one of our biggest tests of the year besides, you know, I thought the Tampa Bay game was also a big test, but you know, let's move past that and you know, let's beat up on these Vikings and then, you know, short week, we got to we got to prove to the NFL that we're we're real contenders and we can, you know, get past these demons that we haven't been able to get past and, you know, beat the 49ers on Thursday night. Beating them would definitely solidify us as as a contender in this league for the Super Bowl. You know, I, I think the 49ers, obviously, they're still a good team this year. They've been dealing with a lot of injuries, but I still think they're a great football team. And if we're able to beat them, I think it shows what kind of team we are and, and how we've improved from, from last year to this year. Uh, and then this game, you know, I just, I just want to know what you think the keys are for us for this game not only on offense, but on defense as well. What do you think we need to do to win this game? Defensively, I really just think it starts with stopping Dalvin Cook if if he plays. Um, either if it's Cook or Madison, just um, just try to eliminate the running game because Kirk Cousins has thrown a lot of interceptions this year. Um, I feel like a lot of his yards this year. I know he, you know, if you look it up on you know on the stat sheet, it looks like he's having an okay year minus interceptions, but that just comes in a lot of just a lot of garbage time touchdowns, um, you know, just stop, stop the run game, force Kirk Cousins to throw the ball. And, you know, hopefully we can get in, you know, get a couple interceptions this year or this game. Cause we haven't seen a lot this year, you know, cause we haven't really had a turnover besides that. Um, you know, this week, Henry Black forcing that fumble on Duke Johnson. We really haven't had a lot of turnovers this year. Um, the, the only one that comes to mind more recently is that Zadarius one on Taysom Hill where he, um, you know, stripped them and recovered it. So just get some turnovers on Kirk Cousins, you know, put the ball back in Aaron Rodgers' hands, and we just got to run up that score early. That's what we did week one. Um, got to just put a bunch of points on the board in the first half. And, you know, I remember in week one, we caused a turnover right before the, you know, the, the first half ended, and we were able to score like 14 points in the last two minutes of that, uh, of that quarter, and it just kind of switched the game. We just got to do that. And 
I, I think we're, we'll be good. And the Vikings defense doesn't scare me whatsoever. And I know for a fact, Aaron will be able to carve them. Aaron Jones, hopefully will be able to get going. Like, like you said, they don't have Anthony Barr. They don't have Daniel Hunter. They don't have anybody back there anymore. Really. I feel like this offense is just going to explode and, you know, hopefully we can go back on that 40 point train that we're on earlier in the season. For sure. And the one thing I think we could do in this game specifically is, is to get back to our roots and by that, I mean, like you said, rush the passer at an elite level and, and create turnovers. That's what we were doing last year that gave us so much success defensively. Uh, and, f- and on the offensive side of the ball, I think it's a good chance for us to, to get some of that motion back with Tyler Irvin. Uh, you know, we, we did see for the first time in like five weeks, a flip pass to Devante uh, that ended up not gaining much yardage. But I want to see more of that with Tyler, uh, with Devante. You know, even with guys like Darius Shepard, I want to definitely see more of that stuff because a lot of the times teams can't stop that and they always have to guard against it. So it, it helps us in a big way. Um, I'd like to see more creativity as well, just more complexity. I'd like to see, you know, Matt LaFleur always talks about moving Devontae Adams around and, and against a team that knows him really well, like the Vikings, I think this would be a good opportunity to try to maybe put him in the backfield at times and get him matched up with a linebacker on passing downs. Uh, you know, that'd be something that's very creative teams would, you know, facing the Packers in, in that respect would, would not expect it. And, uh, that's just, one, that's one thing I'd like to see us do, obviously establish some inside running, uh, and rush outside as well to these, uh, to these Vikings linebackers on the out or excuse me, their defensive ends on the outside that just aren't healthy and they don't have great players back there anymore. So attack their weaknesses and, and, you know, just do a lot of the things that we do really well. I think if we can get back to where we were going last year and combine it with what we're doing this year, uh, that could that could give us the most success that we can reach and, and kind of help us reach our full potential as a team heading into the biggest game of the year in San Francisco. I don't want to jinx this at all. I just I do think this is the week, Brian. Like you said, this is this is a time just to, you know, prove our dominance in the NF in the NFC and the NFL in general, honestly. Just, you know, show that we can beat up on these you know, these weaker teams before, you know, before we have to go play um, in San Francisco on Thursday, this is the perfect time. And like you said, I would love to see some new things on offense and uh, incorporate some older things that we were doing maybe last year and earlier in this year. Like, like you said, those, those little fake jet sweeps with Tyler Irvin, just this is the week to do it. I mean, this Vikings defense is not strong whatsoever. Their offense is very, very confusing. They got a lot of weapons, but or you know struggle week to week you know this is the week to do it and you know hopefully we're jumping back next week and talking about a huge Packers victory this could be a game that even MVS gets back on track I know he you know he struggled a lot uh, at times this year but then you know we saw in week one he had a nice game Uh, so I'd like to see him attack these these corners that probably aren't on his level if we're able to do that and get Rodgers some opportunities to throw him some deep balls that could get him going. Obviously, we need that, especially, you know, if we end up not trading for a receiver, we've got to get these guys going, you know, whoever's out there. Malik Taylor had a touchdown last week. We need to get him the ball. Whoever's, you know, whoever's going to be out there for us on the, for the long haul, we need to make sure they're connected with Rodgers and that they're making plays and that they're synced up with Rodgers overall. Uh, and, and whoever that's going to be, MVS especially, I think I think we got to make sure they're ready to go and and this is a good week to kind of open the floodgates up and, and start, you know, seeing what we got here. No, it really is. And that's a very good point. If we don't end up, you know, getting Will Fuller on the squad or any other wide receiver. Um, I know we signed Seth Roberts, I believe, to the practice squad this week. Um, who knows if he's going to see the field. But it's a good point, man. This is a perfect week against a very weak secondary a very weak secondary to, you know, get MVS going. Maybe we could see EQ finally um catch a pass this week it'd be this is a great time to do it if you know if we don't see will fuller in green and gold by the by the trade deadline yeah definitely Uh, any any uh last thoughts on the game and if not we'll head to score predictions mason Nah, man i think we we pretty much nailed it i i think it's going to be a lot of a lot of the packers offense scoring and hopefully the packers defense getting some turnovers but um for my score prediction um I honestly do think the Packers are going to go back into the 40s this week. I feel like it's, it's been too long, and that Packers offense was hot last week, and we're going against a very weak Vikings defense. Um, Aaron's always, you know, 
had Mike Zimmer's number, I feel like the score is probably going to be I'm going to give them 44 to 24 Packers, obviously, with the victory. Yeah, for me, I, I want to say 50 because Ooh. we haven't seen 50 in a while. And this Vikings defense, you know, they've obviously traded in Gakwe now. Uh, Barr is not there. He's one of Rodgers' fiercest competitors, you know, at the line of scrimmage. And those that those corners are just banged up, and they I don't even know who they're throwing out there. I want to say fifty, but I don't think I'm gonna. Even though I I think if if there's a week that we're gonna go ahead and hit fifty uh, for the first time in a long time, I think this is it. Uh, but I am gonna go. I'm gonna go with forty. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna say, I'll say forty-two to seventeen. It's gonna be a blowout in my opinion. Uh, it's gonna start with Aaron Rodgers and it's gonna end with Aaron Rodgers and. Uh, I could see him throwing five, six touchdowns. You know, I think this is going to be a big week for the team, and and it's going to put everybody on notice once again, and remind everybody that we are still the the best offense in the NFL. Isn't that awesome? Having the struggle to either predict fifty points for the Packers' offense or forty. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> imagine la- imagine last year one of us predicting fifty points in a game. I mean, that gosh, yeah. that would that that'd be ridiculous. You know, I don't we, know if we even broke forty last year. But now, I don't think you know, we did. We've done that, I think, three times this year already, break 40. I know. It's an awesome problem to have, and it's obviously, yeah. it's honestly possible this week. It is. And with that, I guess we'll wrap things up here. Thank you for listening. Uh, you know, We're going to hopefully have a great game this week, and we'll be, back to, uh, we'll be back to discuss the trade deadline. If anything happened, we'll be on top of that. And, and we'll also be previewing uh, the San Francisco 49ers game, which is on Thursday. So we're going to have to get this out earlier than usual. Um, but you know, with that, uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for, uh, being a subscriber or listening on Spotify, Apple podcasts, wherever you're listening. Uh, we'll see you next week. Go pack, go.